You're listening to Unfiltered, where we engage in unapologetic grown folks conversations. I'm Tiffany Duggar. I'm Kimberly Taylor. And I'm Dr. Kimberly Sturgis. And we're just three girlfriends sharing our thoughts. Welcome to our tribe. So ladies, we took a break last week, um, actually a much needed break. This has been uh, the longest year, <laughs> these last three months. And um, so we kind of needed a break. Each of us have gone through um, different challenges over the last couple of months. So we just kind of needed a break. Ladies, how are you? Hey, we're good. I'm good. <laughs> How about yourself? I'm good. <laughs> Girl, I'm good. Blessed. Trying to figure out, you know, the next three months, because this oh. last three months, nothing about it went according to my plans, but you know, hey, roll with it. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I agree that this, the first three months of the year were challenging, but um, I, I still have hope that um, that it's going to get better. Um, I, I hope it's going to get better. And, and, and through it all, I must say uh, that I am still grateful. Um, I am still grateful. Uh, I, I still believe that this is, you know, God has a, an ultimate plan. We don't know what that plan is, but um, I'm grateful. So um, it has been been challenging. Um, we took last week off. I had, and I've talked to several people here in Houston who have described themselves as having PTSD from the recent uh, winter storms here in, in Texas and, and, and here uh, in Houston, we personally, I was without power and water for 48 hours and um, uh, maybe longer, but, and, and, but there are still people who are still without power and, and water. And I did not have any damage to my home. I did have to replace the water heater, but uh, Dr. Sturgis, you had, you actually had damage to your home. So you had to actually fly in and take care of that. Yes. So my issue or, or um, issues or trauma um, came from number one, having to see things happen from a distance and not be able to uh, take care of it immediately because I, I wasn't there. I've been splitting my time between Texas and Mississippi. And um, when it all started, I was in Mississippi. So I managed to skirt in um, in the middle of, but uh, the reality is by the time I got there, I had uh, water pipes that had burst. And um, so damage to uh, my first floor um, bedroom area. And uh, that ended up they literally had to rip out everything on the first floor um they had to take off siding from the outside of the home and then even one of the uh upstairs bedrooms the sink was uh under the sink a pipe burst mm. and so there was that I won't say significant damage because it wasn't significant. And, and like you said, even with all of that, I, I'm grateful and I'm blessed. I just see God's hand mm -hmm. moving. And um, there was a sermon 
that was preached by my sister's pastor that talks about all things working together. Uh, and he gave an example of what all things were. Is that Howard and, John Wesley? Yes, Howard John Wesley and uh, at uh, Alpha Street Baptist Church. And in that in that sermon, he as he was talking about how all things work together, he talked about how there might be five other instances or situations that God has to deal with in mm. order to answer your prayer. Mm. And um, but because of this. I now have everything I need to have in place and I can comfortably go overseas without having to worry about anything. There were some things I needed to do that I had been procrastinating on. Um, and this winter storm forced me to deal with. It. Mm -hmm. So it's just God hand is moving. It's, he's, he's working. And, and I see that and I, and I say, thank you. And I pray that uh, everyone else is okay because like you, uh, I have quite a number of friends who described their feelings of not being able to take a bath for three days, freezing mm. at night, and you know, and on top of a major pandemic that we are still in the right. middle of, yeah. right? And just just dealing with all of that emotionally has been overwhelming yeah. for a lot of people, including myself. But at the same time, what I am able to do is sit back and say, thank you, Lord, because mm -hmm. as bad as it was, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. I know people who've lost family members mm -hmm. in the midst of this. One of mm -hmm. um, my fellow Rice alums actually lost her family, her mom and three children. Yeah, that was so mm -hmm. heart wrenching, so heart wrenching. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it really kind of helps. Unfortunately, it really makes a person put things in perspective. What I lost yeah. was things. Yeah. All of that can be replaced. That's why you have insurance. Yeah. And so it, it, yeah. it really kind of, you know, reminded me that it, it's okay. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah. All right. You know, during the storm, I was never really worried about losing things because like you said, that's what insurance is for. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, at all minimizing what someone else has gone through in, in terms right. of losing their home and, and things like that. But actually my thought process during this and was, am I gonna freeze to death? I mean, quite mm -hmm. honestly, that was my thought process. The night the lights came on, you know, permanently, the night the, the lights, the, the power was restored earlier that day, I was so cold. Mm. I thought to myself, I know how people freeze to death. Mm. And I was just saying, Lord, Lord, please, 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 please restore this power because I couldn't find the keys to the gas fireplace. And I was able to use the stove. Um, and my mom who's here didn't want to go to a hotel because of COVID. You know, we're still trying to be careful. And then some of the hotels didn't have power or water or they were booked. So I was finally able to get us a hotel for the next night, but thankfully our power came on, but I was so cold. And the, the, the interesting thing was I grew up in Detroit from um, fourth grade to senior in high school, graduating from high school. I grew up in Detroit, so I'm used to blizzards and winter storms, but I had never been that cold inside my house before. And it mm. actually made me 
I pray so hard for homeless people and for mm-hmm. elderly people and for people who were sick, people who, who had COVID during this time and didn't have power or water, you know, to help them through. And mm-hmm. I was just praying for the Lord to just watch over them and, and, and take care of them because I knew how I felt. And, and I was in my home. So imagine mm-hmm. how those people that are sleeping outside feel. So mm-hmm. it was kind of, it was really a, a, a wake up call. And mm-hmm. it wasn't a test of my faith, but it was like God showing me, you know, you're blessed because mm-hmm. there's somebody out there in the midst of this, this 12 degrees or however whatever the temperature was they're they're sleeping on the ground mm-hmm. and so um you know I tried to keep that thought and continue to be grateful but I, I swear I have never been that cold in my life and I think for me um looking at it from the outside because you know I I'm, I was praying and checking on you guys and um I know I have a cousin in Houston and um, we have friends there and, and plus my parents are in Mississippi. So, and they're seniors. And so when um, their water was out and off and their power was out, I mean, I felt helpless because here I am in Georgia and everything is working fine. We we've not encountered that type of weather here. And so, but to know that family and friends were really dealing with some major issues, it really was like a helpless moment. So the only thing that I know how to do is just pray and, and um, keep everyone in my thoughts and prayers, of course, and just um, follow up to make sure everybody was, uh, were okay. But yeah, it's very, you know, just kind (laughs) of recapping this year, we are embarking upon a year of of being in in a pandemic. And um, this is totally new to everybody, the entire experience. Um, I remember, I remember so vividly this time last year, um, I was working part-time, I worked part-time at a, with the youth development organization. And it was rumored that our local schools were closing, but Prior to that, I remember the NBA stopped playing and um, they halted all their games until <laughs> until further notice. And so I'm like the NBA, they if they've stopped, excuse me, if they've stopped playing games, this is serious. And it was just cut. Uh, and um, and so shortly after that, um, maybe a month or month or so, maybe a few weeks later, now you're talking about schools. And I remember a school in Alpharetta, which is in North Fulton County. Um, one of my colleagues, her grandchildren be- attends the school and, and they were saying how they were being proactive. The, the grandmother was saying how the administrators were being proactive and they're going to shut schools down. And I thought this was so far-fetched. And I'm shutting school, what is, but because media had not portrayed this pandemic to be a big thing at that point. And then all of a sudden, I don't go back to work the next day. (laughs) And months pass, several months pass. And I'm like, what is going on? And it's just so mind blowing to recap 
how we lived, how we lived exactly around that time, this time last year at the beginning of the pandemic. I remember going to the grocery store, buying toilet tissue, buying paper towels, and, and there is a warehouse that um, I buy my supplies from. And I remember no one knows about this warehouse until I'm like, why are all these folks in my store? <laughs> so, I mean, it was just so ready to go in lockdown, just like you. Unfamiliar. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and however, you know, um, I tell people like at the beginning, the pandemic for me, the beginning of it, um, I remember okay, let me get my years. It's 2021 now, 2020. So 20, um, early January, early part of January, my life was so hectic and it was so busy and it, it looked unrecognizable. And so I can feel, th- thank God I'm in tune with when my world is just being shaken mm-hmm. and everything is off balance. And I knew I needed an alignment. Mm-hmm. And I remember praying in my closet and I'm on my knees in tears. I'm like, Lord, I just need the world to pause for a second so I can catch up with it. And I remember that specific prayer that I just needed everything to pause for a second. So when I I jokingly say, you all are the beneficiaries of my, from my prayers. However, you you? This is your answer prayer? Oh, yeah. okay. Because no, I this is my answer prayer, right? All, we have all been there. We have all prayed that prayer. You know, I just need things yeah. to slow down. And, um, you know, this time last year, I was actually, um, well, had I made it back? I think I had made it back to Houston because I was in Mississippi. And Dr. Oz, said that there's going to be a pandemic a month before. And so I, I was listening mm. to the news. Um, we were talking about it in the nail salon. And then all of a sudden the week, that week before it was, you know, everything was coronavirus, coronavirus. And so um, I told my mom, I said, well, I'm going to go. Cause I plan to stay in Mississippi for um, a couple of weeks, but I said, I don't want to get stuck here. And I just left the house. I said, so I'm going to go back home and, you know, we'll be on lockdown for what, 30 days and then I'll come back. And that day that I left was the last time I saw my grandmother alive. And um, I just mm. think about how things can change in the blink of an eye. Because I don't think mm-hmm. anybody realistically thought we would still be here a year later. And I was telling my mom earlier uh, today that I'm hearing people's language change. They're saying when we were in the pandemic, hello, we're still in the pandemic. We're, we're still, still in it. In, in the Absolutely. Of, you know, and I don't want people to get so comfortable with, okay, the vaccines are here that, okay, now, you know, we can just be loosey-goosey with everything. You know, our governor, Governor Abbott, um, has uh, lifted the mandatory mask mandate, 
okay, dude, you know, and, and people are already getting into arguments at stores. And I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. Like, why can't you just wear a mask? Right. I think about when I think about, so for me, March 6th, 7th and 8th, I was in New Orleans. It was a strange feeling to be in New Orleans at that time. Uh, I was, uh, I work on an advisory uh, committee with Shell and the Smithsonian, and we were doing a summit. And we were in New Orleans uh, doing in the, if I'm not mistaken, the fifth year of our summit, fourth or fifth year of the summit. And, um, and it was strange. It was strange to see the crowd starting to thin because this is like right before all everything, you know, all hell broke loose. So um, I get back to Mississippi. It's the week before spring break for all of my friends who are educators and everybody was making plans. And I remember thinking like you, Kim, that um, they've stopped college basketball. Hmm. They've mm -hmm. stopped professional basketball. Mm -hmm. The cheese is moving, people. Something is going mm -hmm. on. We don't know the whole story. And that's all I kept saying. It is more to it than what is being told because the man with money is going to make his money. Mm -hmm. And the only reason he's going to not make money is because it is more to his detriment to keep going than it is to stop. Right. I was like, so it's something mm -hmm. bigger than what we are being told going on. And so I started looking like I do at uh, foreign press. So I'll go to BBC. I'll go to uh, different Asian um, uh, periodicals that are printed in English. And I start looking and trying to see, I said, mm, yeah, this, this, this virus is, is real. This is something that I was looking at the World Health Organization. I was starting to look at CDC. I stopped listening to mainstream media because mainstream media was too busy trying to um, appease the current administration and report everything that the current administration was saying as opposed mm -hmm. to learning for themselves and reporting the truth. So the mainstream media got ignored by me. And I and I was telling people, I was blowing my dog whistle. I was saying, hey, y'all... Um, you may want to chill out. You might want to calm down. It's more to this than we know. Uh, Kiffany, you were part of some of those conversations. Um, I was like, there's more going on than we're aware of. So we mm -hmm. really need to be more careful. And uh, people were th saying things like, well, we've been told as long as we social distance, we'll be fine. Or um, because at the beginning, even Fauci was saying, no, don't wear a mask mm -hmm. because we need to preserve those types of supplies for the frontline right. individuals yep. social mm -hmm. distance stay at home quarantine yourselves was more what the initial news was saying um but people won't do right and so mm -hmm. it was getting worse and the thing about the u.s that has been different than anywhere else in in the world on this planet is that we never had a break between the outbreak and then the fall resurgence, the numbers across the US did not go down. Mm -hmm. The numbers of deaths did not start, uh, start to significantly decline because every time we started to see a little bit of improvement, 
instead of continuously doing what was working, mm-hmm. we would stop, especially in states like Mississippi, Georgia. Louisiana, Georgia, Texas, you know, all the red states that have high minority populations who are the ones that are suffering the most from this illness, uh, they would say, let's open things back up. The governor of Texas was one of the first governors at the beginning of the pandemic to say, let's open things back up. And then when the resurgence occurred in the state of Texas, he blamed everybody but himself. Exactly. And instead of him taking ownership, he started Mm -hmm. talking about, well, I thought people would be more responsible. Yeah. Really? You know what? On that note, I want to um, really just um, give kudos to our um, our city uh, leaders, our mayor, Sylvester Turner. Absolutely. uh, Judge Hidalgo. You know, it's like they have been from day one concerned about our safety, our health, and, and, and slowing the spread. And I understand that people are losing jobs. We need to, you know, boost the economy. I understand all that, but if you're not alive to reap the benefits of any, of Mm -hmm. any of this, or if you're not, I mean, just, I feel like if we would have just done what we were supposed to do in the first place, just wait a little while longer to open things up, then maybe we would be, we would have been in a better place. But then on, on uh, you know, I have to contradict myself a little bit because then you just know that there are those people who just don't get it. There are those people to this day, we look at the death toll and they still refuse to wear a mask. Or they still refuse to acknowledge yeah. that this is a a, a a a this is a pandemic that has caused fatalities. That um, you know you can go to bed one night and wake up in the morning sick as a dog. You know they they don't they don't get it. They don't understand it. And and my thing is, what what rose colored lens? did you get that I didn't get? I mean, what, 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 what are you thinking? What I would like to know what's going on in, in some of these people's heads, but um, you know, and, and then I guess people thought that, you know, when Biden came into office, oh, okay, now we're going to be okay. No, just because the administration changed. Okay. So he has, you know, done a few things, but you have to have common sense. Just like when Abbott got on a couple of weeks ago and said, okay, we're opening the state back up 100% and I'm lifting the mandate, the uh, mass mandate. That has everything to do with economics and politics. It has nothing to do. Absolutely. It, it has Absolutely. To do with our health and well being. Nope. That has everything to do with him trying to um, escape from the madness of the crisis the week before with the um, statewide mm-hmm. power outages because we were four minutes away from being shut mm. down completely. Had we gone four more minutes, the grid would have just completely gone out, okay? Mm-hmm. And we probably still would not have had power. So, you know, he's trying to um, skate through that because he's on thin ice with that. And so, bam, let me appease this 
population by lifting the mask mandate and opening the state. Yeah, he needed to change the narrative. He needed to get the focus off of the atrocities that occurred during uh, Snowmageddon. And, uh, and so the way he changed the narrative was to lift the mask mandate. He knows, he knows it's not a popular uh, stance. And so his goal is to become more popular. He was getting more and more in trouble because a lot of his supporters were suffering and did suffer as a result of, of what was going on with uh, the power grid. And so he needed things to, he needed the, he needed the story to change. He needed the news media to stop talking about the polar vortex that landed mm -hmm. on Southern United States. And mm -hmm. he needed the news media to change. And I'll never forget when I was working on <laughs> one of my many degrees, um, one of my professors who was in school administration, undergraduate degree was in journalism. And what she said was, as a journalist, we can't tell you what to think, but we can give you what you think about. And as the media goes, wow. that's where the focus of the nation is. That's why when President Trump was in power, he was able to get away with so much because he would cause this whole large stir on one side of um, the country and then sneak all kinds of other things under the table that no one was paying attention to because the mass media was reporting on whatever this big thing was of, over here. And so nobody saw the show was for that week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and if you were paying attention, you could notice that he always did that right before he was mm -hmm. going to do something very controversial. He would cause mm -hmm. one controversy to hide another. Right. And, he, right. and so he controlled the narrative. Mm. I think it's been very interesting to just, you know, I say all of the time when I'm talking about just the pandemic and these decisions that have been made by people in leadership positions, I always say I'm not a rocket scientist, but I do have a tad bit of sense, common sense there is, and that is, and I think about this just doesn't make sense to me, like the decisions that have been made, it doesn't make sense. Where I'm in the school system here. I won't name my actual school system district, but um, they opened school. They were one of one of a few school districts that opened up, um, like, in, on their in their schedule on their schedule calendar. So the first week of April, I mean, I'm sorry, August, our schools opened up. So of course, my husband and I opted to have our daughter stay at home for virtual learning and this is second semester of that and we're opting to do it for next year. However, every day I was getting a notice that there was um, someone who may have had COVID or there was somebody who contracted it or they've had to, um, you know, it was a case. Every single day and I'm thinking, now, I, this is not smart to me. <laughs> and this was early on. This was in August, September, and even October. Why wouldn't we shut down our schools and go 100% virtual? 
my point is what happened to common sense Mm-hmm. What money has driven people to make these decisions so that common sense has been fall has just really been fallen by the wayside. And now you have people whose lives have been shattered because of greed, because of uh, filling your pockets, because of being favorable in the eyes of some. You have families who, um, of course, their loved ones will not be at the dinner table anymore. Lives have been shattered, upside turned upside down. And and I always go back to, now, does that make sense? That's, that's I'll, I'll, I'll give that, that Mama Kim look, does that make sense? This is crazy. Yeah. So that's, I just think about what happened to the common sense. Well, number one, common sense has never been that common. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, uh, the reality is, is that in order to really understand what's going on, science and social studies are the two main contents that people mm-hmm. really need to have a firm understanding of in order to really be able to understand what's going on right now. Social dynamics, social behaviors, as well mm-hmm. as the science behind uh, mm-hmm. the viruses. And when you think about it, what are the two contents that have been the least um, focused on over time when it Schools. comes to um, yeah. the massness of educating people? Only like in the past um, 10 years has there been like this major push towards STEM. But even with STEM, the, mm-hmm. the focus is starting at third grade, typically across this country, students are tested in math and students are tested in um, reading from third grade to anywhere from 10th to 11th grade across the country. Um, Science in Texas, I can't speak for everywhere else, but in Texas, science gets tested in fifth grade, in eighth grade, and then whenever students take biology. Uh, Social studies gets tested in eighth grade, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, when they take world history or world geography, and that's it. And you know what gets what gets taught in elementary most of the time is what gets tested. And so students are, lack that foundational knowledge and understanding unless they have administrators with a science background who insist on uh, teaching the full curriculum. The, and, and so a lot of a lot of knowledge gets lost. One, two, even with um, all of that, we've become such a tested nation that stu- common sense, just critical thinking, mm-hmm. just you know, really helping people learn how to problem solve gets lost in the muck. We go in with the best intentions, and then we look at this vast curriculum that we're responsible for teaching over 180 days, and we realize that's not realistic. So what do we teach? Mm-hmm. We teach what's, what gets tested and we teach it in a way that students grasp the knowledge. They grasp the, they, they go toward rote memorization as opposed to really trying to critically think and problem solve. And, and that's unfortunate. And there's a price mm-hmm. that goes with that. And we see it play out on a daily basis. 
because there is a prevailing ignorance that exists. And that's, and that, and I don't say that to say, um, I, I think it's a disservice to, because the reality is educators work hard. Yes. Every day doing the best they can mm-hmm. to appropriately yeah. educate children. Absolutely. But there is a system I totally agree. that fights against them on a daily basis mm-hmm. that prevents them from really doing what is best for children. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's playing out in society mm-hmm. now. Um, you yeah. have such a, a highly tested generation that you literally have people that can't critically think. And I think that shows. What, what we're realizing is that these young people who've gone through that system are now adults <laughs> and they have taken some of these roles and the critical thinking is just stepped on. Like, it's, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. I think but I do want to... I think there's a gap when you talk about critical thinking in, in our leadership um, today and in our current leadership because there, there, there's that gap because I look at the next generation, um, the generation that's coming up who are independent thinkers, who are um, really mm-hmm. taking charge and taking control and they're actually uh, more analytical and they're actually, um, they're not accepting what you tell them. They're gonna go and learn for themselves. And so then you have to ask yourself, well, mm-hmm. you know, when, where, where is that gap? You know, where, where is that gap? Because I know we're our generation, we're critical thinkers. So so where is that gap in edu- in, in, in education? Like when did we start? Uh, wh- where was the decline? Because teachers, once it was viewed as a noble profession, you know, everybody wanted to be a teacher. It was it was seen as, you know, one of the top. Well, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a teacher. And now teachers are like the low man on the totem pole. Uh, President Biden had mm-hmm. to get up and say, let's add our teachers to the the list with first responders. Well, teachers are first responders. I'm not mm-hmm. taking anything away from sure. medical professionals or anything, but I think teachers should be ranked, ranked in in that in that system because they in, in whatever, however you choose, you know, to to classify it, but mm-hmm. um I think that the respect for, for teachers and the profession and, and for learning, it's like, we're just, we're just teaching kids to pass the test. Like Dr. Sturgis said. Um, every profession is um, raised from a teacher. So I don't understand why it is um, like as an educator, I just don't understand why we get the crumbs um, and I would never understand that. But also I wanted to just, well, before we do that, Kim, you were going to say something and then um, I'll, I was I'll just going to say, I am an educator else. raised by educators with a lot of educator friends. I know the, I know of what I speak. I know how hard yeah. people work on a daily basis to do the best they can to appropriately educate children. And I also know the system. I know how the system fights against the efforts of the individuals. And I know how um, there are people who have lost their jobs fighting for the children 
against mm-hmm. the system. And so, you know, that and it's and it's unfortunate because it there are too many people with good hearts and with significant effort trying to appropriately educate the whole child. But that child coming to school who the last meal they had was lunch at school yesterday may not be Mm. ready for ABCs and one, two, three. Mm -mm. They might need a little time uh, when they get there. And, uh, but that's not how the system is set up. And the system is antiquated. It has been this way since its inception. And another thing the pandemic has done is brought to the forefront, the disparities associated with that. Right. Yeah, Kim, that's it. I tell you, and the pandemic has truly shown the system's true colors um, during this time. I believe that I wanted to ask, you know, there were we've experienced some great loss. However, what were some of your wins, your um your, what did you learn about yourself? Um, I can say personally that um, I have grown um, during this time and I have learned uh, a lot about myself. As an introvert, um, I have learned or I have come to appreciate human contact more. Now, when this is all free and clear, I'm not saying, you know, I'm going out every night or, but I I appreciate people more. I appreciate my, my family and my friends. I appreciate life more. And um, I understand that life is short and nothing is promised. And um, I have learned to give myself a break because during this Mm. time, people would have you think that you're supposed to be doing something. This is your time to do something great. You have, you have time, like the first few months when we were just really in lockdown and we're really, really concerned about, you know, uh, self-distancing, social distancing. Um, and people thought that as a creator, as a writer, that uh, creatives would come out with a novel, a screenplay, and or, or you know something like that. And some people have been able to do those things in this creative space. But there was a time when I wasn't able to write. I didn't feel creative. When before, you know, my I was more creative um, during depression or during a tragedy or doing something like that. But uh, during some t- during some type of challenge, but this time I didn't feel creative, and I kept trying to force myself to do something because you scroll through social media and it's like they make it makes you feel horrible. Like if you're not doing something, then mm. you're 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 behind. You need to be doing something. But I decided, and I think we talked about this in our last episode, that I was going to give myself a break in July. And that's what I did. I didn't force myself to do anything I didn't want to do. I didn't force myself to write. I didn't force myself to do any of that. And I just really kind of sat. I started meditating. I started praying more. And I started to see myself more. I started to connect more with myself. And um, it, it really, this time, actually, 
although I was going through a lot of grief during this time because I lost several people uh, that were close to me. You know, I lost my grandmother and, and some other people that were close to me. So I actually had time to sit with those losses, that trauma and properly grieve instead of throwing myself into something to kind of just put a, put a lid on it and having it surface later. So I think that during this time, I have become mentally stronger um, and I have gotten to know myself better and to understand that before this, I don't think I was living the life that I wanted to lead. I was living the life that I thought everybody wanted me to lead. And so mm. I have come, I have gotten to know myself and I like the person that, that I have gotten to know. And I've decided that I'm just going to be me, whoever that is. So, um, you know, although I've experienced some challenges, some trauma, some grief, I have to say I'm still grateful. And, and, and I hope I continue to be grateful, you know. For me, about you, Kim. Yeah, for mm -hmm. me, it's been very similar. It has been a time of discovery. Uh, it has been a time of acceptance um, of who I am. It has been a time where I I've allowed myself to be unapologetically who I am. Um, because like, I'm a pleaser. I like, I, and, I, and I hate, I mean, abhor with every piece of my being, um, any type of conflict. So I have always been like a go along to get along type of person uh, and just accept whatever would come, come what may, and just be okay with it. And, but I've accepted the reality that it's okay not to be okay. I've um, accepted the reality of uh, what my reality and what my truth is and to live and walk in that and be all right with living and walking in my truth as opposed to trying to be the person that I think someone else wants me to be. I recently had a conversation about the difference between the individual and the representative and mm. um, it took me a it took me time to figure out who I really was, who is, who is the me as opposed to who is the representative uh, that I are the, the faux person I've been for so long. It's okay for me to not like being spoke to a certain way. It's okay for me to not put myself in certain spaces or around certain energy because of the long-term impact that has on me. People, for other people, they might be able to uh, deal with certain situations, walk away from it and never think about it again. For me, I internalize a lot. And so mm -hmm. hit me one day, why do you continue to put that into your spirit? That's a choice. And I would say all the time, oh, she knows how to push my buttons. And the Holy Spirit re revealed to me, only people that have that you gave the remote control to can push your buttons. Mm -hmm. So until you stop, given over the remote control, they will always be able to push your buttons, take your control back. 
you can't control them, but you can control you. You can't mm. control what they say, but you can control how you react to it. You can't control whether you put yourself back in a situation for somebody to say something like that to you again. You control you. Nobody else does unless you give them control. So those are the kind, those are the things that I've learned. But the benefit from that has come through what we've talked about in other podcasts, peace, unapologetically. The benefit from that is getting to know my mom at a level. I am the oldest of three in my entire life. There was always someone else with me when I was with her. Over the course of this past mm-hmm. year, we've spent more time together, just us, than we've ever done, I think, in my entire life. And so just mm-hmm. understanding and recognizing how similar we are in some ways and how different we are in others and still loving unconditionally each other and really understanding what that means for us has been a blessing that I can never thank God enough for. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stop there cause I'm about to start crying. <laughs> but even in the midst <laughs> of God- Yeah, I tell you, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, for me, we were, um, okay, so our situation was, for a long time, it was Zoe and I always riding out, riding out. Idrick would always work. And so we were faced with, I was laid off, and he completely lost his job. So we were at home for the month of, from the month of a- April to August at home. And I think the first month was a struggle for him or the first two weeks or so was a struggle for him because I remember him telling me that he has worked ever since he was 16. Now we're on the other side of 45. So, you know, for somebody, for a a man child to have worked all of that time and not really had a time off. Can, can you imagine what in a head of the household, can you imagine what that is doing to them? However, the positive side of that was he got a chance to really spend time with Zoe. Mm-hmm. So they did gardening outside. They worked out all the time. And they, you know, just did things together, which was so cool. I, one day I looked outside and they were throwing the football. Another day, um, you know, they were, they decided to walk up, up the street and to the gate and come back. I mean, just having a good father daughter bonding time. And I saw the beauty in that. And I, and what I saw was he was more relaxed. And I remember, um, you know, I'm always posting affirmations or prayer quote, prayer um, verses or verses scriptures all around the house. So it's nothing for you to see a little note on a wall somewhere around the house. And I remember um, one of the notes that said, I, I, I just need my husband to be still and have a, a peacefulness about him. And I was, that was an internal piece, like all the turmoil or whatever he was dealing with. I wanted him to have that internal peace. 
And I, I felt like he was experiencing that, um, just really getting to know us and not and getting to know me as the creative wife. See, we hadn't been together that length of time just at home by ourselves. It um, and it the pandemic really forced us to be tr- not literally be still and be together. And he, I think he really got a chance to see um, the, the favor over his wife. I really believe that. So I say all that because the, in the midst of where, if you would look at this from a natural perspective, you would think they, they both lost their jobs. They're at home, but there was no lack. And, um, and all of those things, those seeds that I had planted, they were harvested during that time. I felt like, um, favors were returned and not even asked, you know, they were, I didn't even ask for these favors, but people thought of us enough to bless us in so many ways. The business flourished, um, during that time. And one of the things that I felt like I was so at peace because I, f- I always say my prayer is, um, Lord, establish the works. Of- May the favor of the Lord rest upon me, establish the works of my hand. Yes, Lord, establish the works of my hand. And I, I felt that prayer come to pass. I mean, come to fruition. I won't say because he had, he established the works of my hand. I was busy working that entire time, mm-hmm. more so than ever. And I felt so closer to God and his presence and his gift during that time. And I was so, I think I was so centered. And I, and I realized I like that space. Actually, I love that space. And I'm trying my darndest to get back to it. Like, this is how I want to live. I want to live in a place where it, it, it it seems like his, his, his God's smile just shines upon me daily. And I know that, you know, there's a a presence there. And, um, and I think the, and because I was still, I had to get, I, I, I came across that. So Going back to my prayer, jokingly, but really, but real, for real, he gave me what I asked for mm-hmm. and I needed to, I needed to experience that Yeah, because um, I look forward to it, not necessarily another pandemic, <laughs> but I look forward to that state of existence yeah yeah and the truth is kim you are so not alone i have other friends that have said that especially other friends with families from two parent households and how they were busy with the hustle and bustle of life that what the pandemic showed them were things that they took for granted their children knew um or it forced Mm -hmm. them to really reconnect as a family and uh and so, and, and I have had a lot of friends 
really talk about not only the pains, but the power in this pandemic, the blessings that have come out of it uh, for them. And, uh, and my continuous prayer is that we continue to learn the lessons that we need to learn during this time and that God favor continues to shine upon us all. Yeah. You know, when this, when, when we were first, um, we first went into the actual quarantine and we were on lockdown for a while. And I said, I was telling my mom and I, and I think I may have told you this, Dr. Sturgis, Kim, um, that I felt like in the beginning, there was a sense of peace and I felt like God was working. I, I didn't know mm. what the end was going to look like. I didn't know what the middle was going to look like. I didn't know what the next day was going to look like, but I felt mm. like it was all in his hands and I felt like he was working. And I just prayed, Lord, you know, whatever it is in this moment, in these moments that you are trying to teach me or that you're trying to get me to see or, or whatever it is I'm supposed to do in this moment then, you know, let me do it. Open my heart, open my mind, open my soul, my spirit to accept what it is you're trying to teach me at in this moment. And, um, you know, we've all had our challenges during this time, but I still think God is in control. I, I still think that oh, absolutely. control and um, everything happens for a reason, you know, even with all of the, the lives that have been lost, you know, my, my mom, two of her uh, classmates, she's, they've been friends for 66 years, a husband and wife, a couple passed away due to COVID. Um, a couple of, it, we've been going through this for about three weeks now. Um, the husband passed first and then and then the wife passed. And so they were finally laid to rest on Monday. And um, it was interesting because I was, you know, in the midst of the grief and trying to figure out, okay, where, where do I place this feeling of grief? Where do I place this in my life because during this whole year you you've gotten to a place it's just been like a roller coaster and then you know we're going okay going okay okay then bam something but um even in that you know I, I was I was just thinking of how blessed and how grateful I was to have known them and I I started thinking uh, just looking back over my life and, and thinking about the things that I, you know, had complained about. And then I just thought about all of the wonderful people I've known, um, the, the way I was raised, the things I've been exposed to. And I actually said, you know what, Lord, life ain't been so bad. Because when you going through it, you think this is horrible. You know, it, whether it's sickness, whether it's death, whatever it is you think is horrible, I'm never going to get over it, whatever it is. And then I have just learned just to be more grateful, if, if anything, uh, because like uh, Kim Taylor said, 
there has been no lack during during this season. You know, some moments you you figure you try and say figure out, okay, well, you know, how am I gonna make it through this, or 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 what if this, or but there has been no lack. And then you know, with the whole beating myself up for not doing anything, I actually sat down the other day and I was like, well, you have done something, but you doing something in this season looks different than you doing something before because before you were running with a chicken like a chicken with your head cut off because you were trying to balance so many things but because you've had time to just sit and do things so you finished that book didn't even realize bam thank you lord grateful i checked Mm -hmm. that off the list you know and i've been watching you kim taylor watching your business grow over the mm-hmm. past year and how you flourished mm-hmm. in, in the middle of this thing. And I'm just so excited for you. And I just look on mm-hmm. every day. I look to see, okay, well, what is Kim? What new jewelry is Kim posting to date? And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's just so exciting to see you flourish um, during this time because you and I you. have talked about that peace and not having time to do things. You know, we talked about that in our personal conversations. And then Kim Sturgis, uh, for you to watch you, how you've grown, how you just said, forget it, threw up everything and said, I'm out. (laughs) And, you know, pursued your dreams. And I'm just so, so excited. Um, You know, so even in the midst of this, there has been lack. There have actually been revelations and growth. And so... um, my final thought is that, and, and I say that I hope I can continue to be grateful mm-hmm. because there's still things yet to come. You know, right. we don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow or the next day. And, but I, but I, I hope that I'm still going to be grateful. And I, and I thank God for allowing me to see myself um, through a lens that mm-hmm. I may not have otherwise mm-hmm. viewed if I had not been slowed down and sat down to actually pay attention to the world. Not just my world, not just what's going on in Tiffany's world, but what's going in on in the world. And um, I'm just, I'm just grateful. And for me, that final thought, I was, as you were talking, Tiffany, it reminded me over and over again in my spirit Psalms 91, Psalms 23, and then Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. Mm. From the time the pandemic started till today, that verse has resonated. Be still and know that I am God. When things were hard and when I saw blessings occur, be still and know that I am God because God is in charge. And he doesn't make mistakes. Um, but then I still find myself seeing things and laughing. Uh, and one of the favorite memes I've been quoting lately is one that came at the end of 2020 when it says, if you thought 2020 was something, wait till it turns 21 and starts drinking. <laughs> and so, and I have to chuckle because it really has been, sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying, right. but it also is that comic relief that gives you the time to just stop and think. As bad as you think it's been, you're still here. Mm-hmm. And my mom is still here. Right. And my siblings are still here. 
And my son is still here and my grandchildren are still here. So I am exceedingly and abundantly blessed. Therefore I'm exceedingly and abundantly grateful even in the midst of it all. Cause like you said, Kim and Tiffany, there's been no lack. Yeah. I haven't, I'm just now starting back to work steadily. I have gone almost a year without a steady paycheck as a consultant, but God is good. Lights mm -hmm. on, belly full, God is good. Mm -hmm. And and I am grateful. And, and so I continue to thank him and praise him. And I continue to uh, show and tout my blessing because God gives blessings to those who he can send blessings through. And I try to continue to be a conduit uh, for the blessings that he continuously gives me. Yeah. So. And I, for my final thought, um, I can, I always say this, I tell people, you know, all of us have something to do while we still have breath in our bodies. He's given us an assignment. And if we don't do that assignment, it will never get done. Now, Tiffany can try to duplicate it. And Kim can try to duplicate it, but the assignment for Kim Taylor to do will never get done. That's major accountability to me. So I say, because he's given me breath, I have work to do. And, uh, and even through we've lost, and even though we've lost so many people, he saw fit for us to just have enough. We have work to do. And so um, if you haven't gotten to work yet, you need to get to work. And that's for anybody. That's for everyone listening. If you haven't gotten to work yet, you need to get to work because we have stuff to do. Our assignment is. Yeah. Absolutely. Our assignment is. And um. Stop letting people influence you because if, if God has spoken to you and given you something, then you do what he said. You don't need anybody else's approval. You don't need anybody else's validation. You don't need an amen corner. So whatever your assignment is, get to work. Mm -hmm. Ladies, I have enjoyed our conversation once again. And um, <laughs> so glad that we did take a break last week and we were able to get back on this week. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.